Unleavened Bread Ministries presents From your hands, your feet, your side Unleavened Bread Bible Studies with David Eels Can quench my thirsting soul Purest water make me whole Let your streams of mercy flow Oh Jesus, I trust in you Well, be encouraged, saints, uh, I know that quite a few people are in a battle right now, and they wonder, what's going on, you know? Well, it, uh, it's God um, it's God testing, trying, uh, teaching, revealing things that we don't know about. And uh, it's all working together for our good. So don't forget that. The Lord's in charge. He didn't die and fall off the throne. He's ruling. So, you know, the Lord has told us that just before this wonderful thing that he's getting ready to do, you know, this revival, just before that, uh, there's going to be a great battle. And uh, I believe, you know, Joel chapter 2 obviously is a good good uh, pointer towards that, you know, a great army, <clears throat> in this case of demons, come against God's people, and it's all so that you whoop them. And in whooping them, you, um, you gain, you grow, you get more of Christ, you get wisdom, you get spiritual warfare knowledge, uh, things are revealed you didn't know about. You know, uh, count it all joy when you fall into manifold temptations, knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience and Let's patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, lacking in nothing. See? Perfect and entire, lacking in nothing. You're actually gaining something from these testings, these trials, right? And, of course, in the book of Joel, um, the bride in particular there is spoken about, Zion, and the warning goes forth to blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify fast, call a solemn assembly, you know, gather the so on and so forth. And uh, God heard his people. Spare thy people, O Lord. He heard them. He smote the northern army. And, uh, and God's people received a revival. The latter rain revival. And that's coming. It's coming fast. So don't be anxious or troubled. Uh, don't be worried. Don't be anxious. You know... Um, the devil tries to trick people in the midst of trials. He gets them to looking at themselves instead of looking at the Lord. And, uh, of course, that's a, a way to sure, I say sure, failure. And as soon as you get to looking at yourself saying, oh, I don't look ready, that here's, here's these, looks like we're coming up to the end here and I'm not matured and perfected and I'm wrestling with this and wrestling with that and Maybe wrestling with this attempt of devil to, of the devil to put this sin on you or that sin on you, you know, and you're anxious and you're troubled, and then condemnation comes in because that's that's who follows anxiety and fear is condemnation, and and then you've put yourself under the law and you didn't know it. <laughs> there's no there's no grace there. Uh, you can't save yourself by your works. He he's a he's a wily devil. He 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 works pretty hard at, at tricking people 
into situations that there's just no grace from God there. You gotta repent. You gotta get back to the basics. And, um, you know, I, I'm reminded of this verse, um, that we received a few days back. Uh, it's Nehemiah 6 and 15. It says, So the wall was finished in the twenty and fifth day of the month, Elul, in fifty and two days. The wall was finished. What is the wall? Well, you know, Ezra, Ezra, um, rebuilt the temple. That was his job to work on, and Nehemiah's job was, um, the wall of the city. And, uh, but, but, you know, we are the temple of God. Uh, we become more and more the temple of God. Obviously, that temple is, is, uh, is in use, but it's growing, right? We are growing more and more into the temple of God because more and more of God is in us, you know? If you're doing it right. <laughs> At any rate, um, so building the wall is, is sanctification. It's separation between you and the enemy without. The enemy can get at you. You know, you might be the temple of God, but the enemy can get at you until you build the wall. Sanctification, of course, is what we teach a lot on, and uh, so that people will understand that there is a place of safety. It's behind that broad wall of Zion, uh, for the bride, that is. And uh, so they finished the wall in the 25th day of the month of Elul, which is, by the way, on our calendar, uh, September the 9th, very close to us now. And uh, I'm not saying anything will happen on September the 9th, but I am saying that the Lord brought this up to us. He gave it to us in our, our morning prayer meeting to point this out to us that we are very close um, to the end of the battle, because look what happened when they got the wall built. In verse 16 it says, And it came to pass when all of our enemies heard thereof, that all the nations that were round about us feared, and were much cast down in their own eyes. For they perceived that this work was wrought of our God. Well, amen. The enemies get cast down when they fail to get through your defenses. Right? And I'm, of course, talking about especially spiritual principalities and powers and rulers of darkness that attempt to get at your fences, but your defenses or get through your defenses. But um, when your wall is built and it's strong and they can't get through it, you've got rest, you've got peace, and all the good things follow. So we've got these symbols that a lot of people are looking at, and they could end up being, as I've told you before, uh, you never know when God is going to start doing things on these days instead of just using these days as a sign of something to come. They're a true sign. It's very obvious. But also, the Lord's going to start acting on those. And when he does, we'll have a very large sequence of events that we'll already know about, you know. And that's why we're studying them, so we'll already know about them. But at least we can see in this text that we're very close. The natural is explaining the spiritual. We're very close 
to the end of this particular battle uh, for the bride. And uh, I, I say again that um, anxiety will get you nothing. Um, I'm not ready. I'm looking at this look a possibility of a, a deadline here, and I'm not ready. And uh, guess what you really need on that deadline? You need justification. You need to be accounted righteous before God. Guess what anxiety is not? It is not justification before God. Guess what fear is not? It is not justification before God. Because justification comes through faith. <laughs> okay. And condemnation is the same thing. It is not justification before God. All of these are stopping you. You think, well, I, I, I should be worried about it. No, you shouldn't. You should be resting. <laughs> you know, All of these are wasting your time, your precious time. They are wasting your time. Fear, anxiety, stress over what you're not. Over, by, because you're doing something you're not supposed to be doing, and, and that's looking at your natural face in the mirror. And, of course, we know James said, you're just going to be a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word if you do that. He's just warning you, right? So repent if this is your problem because you are wasting time. You say you're running out of time. Well, then you don't have any time to fall under condemnation. You don't have any time to get anxious, troubled, fearful, double-minded. You don't have any time for those. And that's why God is stepping up things right now. We have a short time. And maybe this wall, spiritual wall, will be finished on that day, September the 9th. I don't know. It's another one of those days that falls in there with a bunch of very important days. You know? Anyway, um, ain't God good, you know, to give us so many blessings. You know, Isaiah 61. You remember Jesus? When he started his ministry, um, he preached on Isaiah 61. Um, what was that that he was saying there? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, and to proclaim liberty to the captives. You know, many people are in some kind of a captivity now to demons that are making war around them, etc., etc. Even the man-child comes out of captivity, you know, like Joseph out of prison, you know. And even Jesus came out of prison to rule, right? And so, um, but this proclaiming liberty to the captives uh, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Boy, did people get favor when Jesus came around. And that's exactly what's getting ready to happen with the man-child ministry. Great favor is going to give, be given to undeserving people. That is, grace is going to be given to them. What did Jesus ask for for this grace? He just asked for faith. By grace have you been saved through faith. And that's not of yourselves. He didn't want you to be good enough. He just wanted you to have faith in His goodness that He already provided for you, right? And, of course, it went on to say, and the day of vengeance of our God, because He's coming to do that, too. 
and to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, that's the bride, to give unto them a garland for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning. How's the, how do you get in the bride in the first place? Justification by faith. You see the end from the beginning. You call God true. You speak that perfection that you were given in Jesus Christ. You speak that sinlessness that you were given in Jesus Christ. You know. So he says, To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them a garland for ashes, and the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Oh, glory be to God. And guess what? Um, September the 23rd, uh, they say, is this year of liberty, this um, uh, jubilee year. The jubilee year, of course, was a year when uh, slaves were set free and they could go back to their land. Uh, that sounds much like the beginning of the tribulation period when the slaves were set free to go back to their land, right? You remember? And praise be to God for that. And it was a time of freedom. Freedom. Freedom from bondage to the old man. Because the old man died in the Red Sea, right? Uh, freedom of bondage. Can you imagine that? Freedom from the constraint, the bondage of the old man. Do you know what the anointing does? That revival that comes uh, at this time. He pre Jesus preached this just after he had been baptized in the Holy Spirit and went into the wilderness to be tested of the devil. Even Jesus had to be tested to become our faithful high priest, right? So, uh, don't, don't get anxious and troubled. Don't murmur. Don't complain because you're tested. And, and especially think, you say, well, this, this thing that's come upon me is something I overcome a long time ago. Uh, makes no difference. Yet, whatever the Lord sees fit for you to go through to learn this lesson, you just need to go through it. And you need to fight the good fight of the faith. And lay hold on life eternal, right? Isaiah 61, awesome revelation there. Happens on um, at least the the, uh, the the physical jubilee is supposed to happen on uh, September the 23rd. I'll tell you something else about that date. That's the Day of Atonement. That's when the high priest, now I know some of you may not know this, but Jesus was a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now, an order is not two. An order continues on. And whether you know it or not, or believe it or not, the man-child is of the order of Melchizedek. He is a high priest. Uh, kind of like Joshua, the high priest. Priest and ruler at the same time. And uh, what happens on uh, the Day of Atonement is the high priest goes into the throne of God. Do you remember Moses speaking to God? How the Bible spoke about him speaking to God above the mercy seat between the cherubim? The voice of God spoke to him? What is the mercy seat there? It's the throne of God. That was his throne on earth among men. Being caught up to the throne of God is what happened to Moses when he went and spoke to God. 
And when the high priest on uh, September the 23rd, by the way, goes into the Holy of Holies, it is like being caught up to the throne of God. There's another symbol. You see that? Awesome symbol. And by the way, the gestation period of a woman from the beginning of this year up until that point, uh, that is the first day that her labor would have been full term. That's the first day. And it's the first day that the high priest goes into the presence of the throne of God. And uh, wow, what awesome symbolism. I hope it's true. I hope it actually manifests in the physical. Don't you? I do. <laughs> awesome, awesome. And now we got um, some some Jewish rabbis over there uh, saying that the Messiah is going to show up after the Shemitah, which is the 13th to the 14th, I believe. Uh, well, after the Shemitah would be like 923 too. Boy, this is just awesome time for signs and symbols and and like like me. I don't know if you are like me, but I am very um, desirous to see these things come to pass. And I hope this is the time they will come to pass. But even saying all of that, you got to remember, you can't be anxious about what you see. You're justified by what you see in the Bible and believe. That's what justifies you. And if you uh, get anxious or troubled about what you're not, it's because you forsook faith. I hope you understand that. You forsook faith. What happens when you're trying to do it? Because you don't get anxious and troubled and fearful unless you're trying to do it. Unless you're not accepting by faith what is given to you as a free gift. Then you get anxious and troubled. And what do you do then? Oh, well, you try to you know, bring it to pass quickly. And you get anxious and troubled because you can't bring it to pass because God won't cooperate. And sometimes you get mad with God or mad at circumstances or mad with people around you and they get... You, they get all over you. You know, they're, they're just, you know, people get angry and frustrated when they try to do something and they can't do it and they know they need to do it. But guess what? The only way to do it is through justification by faith. The only way, because you are accounted righteous because of your faith. And fear, condemnation, anxiety is Totally contrary to faith. If you're doing that, you're not having faith. Right? What are you when you're not having faith and you're trying to do it? Well, that's the difference between the law and grace. The law was, here, I'm going to show you what I want you to do. Now you go do it. What did the law show people? Well, it showed them that they were sinners and they weren't capable of being righteous outside of a gift from God. So here you are, you're starting out like those foolish Galatians in the in the spirit by faith, and you got drunk back under the law because you put this law over yourself. I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this. The Lord will do it freely. He will work in you to willing to do of his good pleasure if you just give him the faith. Let's read something. Now when I talk about law, I want you to remember 
This is your self-effort. That's what law is. It's self-effort. And it's trouble. It's impossibility because you cannot do it. If you could do it, Jesus wouldn't have had to die. All right. So look at Galatians 2 and 16 with me. Let's just read a little bit right here. Yet, yet knowing that a man is not justified, that is accounted righteous. Now, you don't want to be found there not being accounted righteous. I want to tell you something about the bride. The bride isn't perfect when she's chosen at the beginning. Uh, he that hath the bride is the bridegroom. Jesus led the bride. She was she was uh, pure. She was innocent. But she wasn't perfect. Okay. But what do you need when you're not perfect? Well, you better have justification or you're in big trouble. You have no connection to God whatsoever. And the demons will jump all over you. Okay? Yet knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, that's your self-effort right there, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Even we believed on Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ. You are justified by faith in what Jesus did at the cross. He made reconciliation. He bore your sins. He gave you his life in exchange. Okay? That's what justifies you. Many people do not know the gospel. They really don't. They know just a little bit. And they hear this false, greasy gospel out there of just accept Jesus. Right? Not even in the Bible. Because he don't accept anybody that does not come to him by faith. He does not accept them. And you get yourself back into that situation that you've come out of probably before, and you're in trouble because the demons are going to take advantage of you. So fight against the unbelief. Fight against the double-mindedness. Fight the good fight of faith against fear and doubt and fear and anxiety. It always work together, right? That we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of law. The was not in there. It's not numeric. It has no numeric pattern because he's not just talking about the law of the Old Testament. He's talking about any law. <clears throat> Even a law your religion put on you or a law you put on yourself because of expectations that you have for yourself. <clears throat> Direct all your expectations towards Christ. You know, what you see is what you get there with him, you see. You, you, you behold him in the mirror, right? Because by works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if, while we sought to be justified in Christ, we ourselves also were found sinners. See, people do seek to be justified in Christ. But they seek to do it by self-effort and, and not by the free gift that they get because they believe that Jesus already did this. Right? We ourselves also were found sinners. And that's what's happening to some. Is Christ a minister of sin? Well, God forbid. But if I build up again those things which I destroyed, I prove myself a transgressor. What is it that they're building up that they had destroyed? Well, you know, when you came into the kingdom, you came to God by faith. You accepted the gift of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ by faith. 
But then when you get anxious and troubled because you haven't arrived at some particular milestone you think you're supposed to be at, well, then you start losing it. You're building up again those things that you'd overcome in the beginning, right? For I through the law died unto law, just law, not the law, that I might live unto God. I have been crucified with Christ. Here's the good confession in the sight of many witnesses, right? I have been crucified with Christ. Well, guess what? You're dead if, you, if you've been crucified with Christ. And if you believe it, God believes it. <laughs> I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live. Oh, glory be to God. Good confession. Let's see you walk it out. Figure out how to walk this out. This is a good training exercise here. Right? It's no longer I that live, but Christ liveth in me. Boy, I tell you, Christ in you can handle anything. You and Christ are a majority in any situation, right? But there has to be, like John the Baptist, less of you and more of him all the time, right? So... And, and and going under the law is more of you and less of him. That's what it is. Okay. Because the more you go under the law, the less you're going to have his help. He works in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. But he wants faith to do that. Amen. And the life which I now live in the flesh... In other words, in this body, I live in faith, the faith which is in the Son of God. You want life? You have to live in faith. Cast down all these lies that the devil speaks into your mind. All the slander that he speaks against your life. Who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not make void the grace of God. For if righteousness is through law, not the law, because there's no the there, but um, if righteousness is through law, then Christ died for naught. Well, that's exactly so. Because if self-effort would get you there, there's no reason for Jesus to have died in the first place. And God is not going to ignore the sacrifice of Jesus so that you can make your way to heaven. Right? That's like building the Tower of Babel. God looked down on that mess and he shattered it. <laughs> well, now look at this. Three and one. O foolish Galatians, who did bewitch you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was openly set forth crucified? This only would I learn from you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of law? There's no thee there. Any... Like I said, it could be your own self-efforts. Or by the hearing of faith. I remember years ago when I was seeking to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and I went into this Pentecostal church and they would tell me, now do this or do that, you know. And, uh, you know, um, it was like, okay, I thought this was a free gift. <laughs> they did trick me back then, but I figured my way through it by the grace of God, you know. Um, do this and do that. I did all them things and nothing really happened. Um, the Lord just wanted to show me, hey, this is just a free gift. One day he just showed me, hey, you're going to get it right here at this time, at this point, and in this place, he showed me, you know. It was a gift of faith that he gave me. And sure enough, that's the way it came. All that jumping up on the altar and doing all, you know, <laughs> forget it. 
So you received ye the Spirit by the works of law or by the hearing of faith? Uh-huh. It's faith. It's a gift of God. And you don't, God don't give you that gift as long as you're working, 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 trying to get it, bring it to pass, and you're all anxious and troubled, and condemnation has been sent against you to tear you down. You know, you need the faith. Stop. Renounce these things. Renounce your self-efforts. Ask God for His gift of faith. Okay. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now perfected in the flesh? Good point. Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it be in vain? <clears throat> he therefore that supplieth to you the Spirit, and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of law? Well, no, it isn't by your self-efforts, and you can't claim none of that anyway. It's all God doing it through you freely. He gets all the glory that way. That's why he chooses not to do things by the law. Christians, don't go back under the law any part of it. You'll be separated from Christ, just as Paul said in Galatians chapter 5. There are so many people out there trying to drag you under the law, seeking to be justified by some thing that you do. Well, there's lots of things people do to seek to be justified by God. But faith without works is dead. But that work is not your work. It's God working through you. When you've got faith, God will work through you. Say, how do I do it? Anxious and troubled? Why are you anxious and troubled? This is God's work. It's not yours. Right? Your work is to believe what He said. Disciples asked him, what must we do to do the works of God? He said, believe on him whom he has sent. That's what he said. That's it. Not pick yourself up by your bootstraps, right? So how does he do miracles among you and through you and so on? By the works of the law? Uh, or by the hearing of faith? Yes. Even as Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned unto him for righteousness. Now, God considered him righteous because he believed him. Not because he was good enough, because he believed him. Know therefore that they that are of faith the same are sons of Abraham. So, you're not a son of Abraham as long as you're seeking to be justified by law, whether it's a law you put on yourself you might be kicking yourself. If you're kicking yourself, it's because you expected something out of yourself. And you didn't get it. Forget that. You're going the wrong way. The sons of Abraham are those who accept this free gift by faith. Not by the works of law. Any law. Yours, your religions, or the law that's written in the Old Testament. And the scriptures foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, <clears throat> preached the gospel beforehand unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all the nations be blessed. So how do you get in Abraham? He just said, you have to walk by faith. You're in Abraham if you're walking by faith. You're a son of Abraham if you walk by faith. So then, they that are of faith are blessed with the faithful Abraham. 
For as many as are of the works of law are under a curse. Do you want to live under a curse? Just live under that fear and anxiety and stress because you're not where you want to be. You are there. You must be convinced that you are there by faith in Jesus Christ. You've been reconciled to God through your faith. Receive the gift by faith. God's not going to disappoint you. If you give Him faith, He will give you the gift. Cursed is every one who continueth not in all things that are written in the book of the law to do them. So, if you're going to seek to be justified in one point, you've got to do the whole law. You say, that's impossible. That's right. He's trying to tell you it's impossible. You cannot make your way to heaven. No more than they can build a tower of Babel to heaven. And when they tried it, God confused their tongues. He gave them no help. He gave them no grace. So, verse 11 says, Now that no man is justified by law before God is evident. For the righteous shall live by faith. That's a basic revelation that the devil can steal from you if you let him. It's basic, but believe it or not, people forget it. Then they get under condemnation. Then they lose everything they got. (laughs) You know? The righteous shall live by faith. And the law is not a faith. This is is the word, the law. And the uh, last one too, the book of the law. That's the law. Okay? And the law is not a faith. So that relationship that they have with God in the Old Testament that people keep trying to drag you back under uh, cuts you off from Christ. The law is not of faith. No, you don't have to keep all of those ceremonies. No, you don't. Anybody tells you that, they're trying to destroy you. Get away from them. Those are parables. They have. You need the discernment of what that parable means in the New Testament. Don't bring the letter into the New Testament unless you translate it to the Spirit. He that doeth them shall live in them. That is a sad thing. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. We are all of the curse of the law upon people who rebelled against God. He bore that curse. The curse of sin and of death. He bore that curse. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree, that upon the Gentiles might come the blessing of Abraham in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, ain't that awesome? A gift of God. A free gift of God. Well, we have to live in that place with God that we accept this wonderful free gift that Jesus gave unto us. Okay, let's look at First um, John chapter 2, 1-6, through 6, okay? My little children, these things write I unto you, that you may not sin. Well, that's good. We would like to know how not to do that. I can tell you how you can get out of sin. You, you have to be justified by faith. 
Because then you get grace from God not to sin. Okay? But if you get under the law, you're going to keep on sinning and it'll probably get worse. My little children, these things write I unto you that you may not sin. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation means a covering. He's a blood covering for our sins. Except as I pointed out to a, a Baptist guy today, Hebrews 10.26, If we sin willfully, after we receive a knowledge of the truth, there remains no sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment. How many of those folks don't know that? They think it's all under the blood. They can just live any way they want to live. But no, we have to have the fear of God. And we have to have the faith of God in order to have His grace for His works to be manifest through us. Right? Faith without works is dead. If you've got a faith that don't have works, it's not faith. Right? Real faith is going to bring forth works. Not necessarily immediately. You might be tested. That's okay. You're still justified by faith even while you're being tested. Even if you're failing. Right? So, Jesus Christ, the righteous, He's the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. And hereby we know, and of course, he, it's there for them. They choose not to, to take it. They choose not to take it. But He gave you grace to accept that gift once, and now you can lose that. You can lose that by going under the law. But also for the whole world. It's there for them. They can come if they will. They're condemned because they don't. Okay? And hereby we know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. Do you know Him? Do you really know Him? Well, you'll keep His commandments. And you'll have faith in Him too if you know Him. He that saith, I know Him, and keepeth not His commandments is a liar. You don't really know God. Not yet. If you're not keeping His commandments. We, we're coming into this knowledge of God. We see the end from the beginning. And we accept it as a free gift. But the manifestation of this knowledge of God is manifested as you keep His commandments. And you'll never keep His commandments without faith. Never. If you don't consider yourself dead unto sin but alive unto God as commanded in Romans chapter 6, you're not going to get there. And that's why they just give up, throw up their hands, and say, I'm a sinner saved by grace. No, you're not. <laughs> because you're not getting any grace. Grace saves from sin. That's what grace does. So continue to walk by faith, and you will see grace save you from sin. I know him, and keep not his commandments, he's a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily hath the love of God been perfected. Hereby we know that we are in him. Now, now what puts you in Christ is, of course, your faith, right? Your faith. You're justified by faith. Okay, that's how you first enter Christ. Hereby we know that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. Whoa. Now, you know what? There are people that believe this and they start walking that way. 
They start doing the works of Jesus. Jesus said, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to the Father. He that believeth on me, that's his promise. Believeth on me. What must we do to do the works of God? Believe on him whom he has sent. That's it. Believe. Believe. That's where you get the free gift. You're able to walk as he walked. And uh, I, I guess another good example is verse 24, which I've emphasized to you before. But as for you, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. In other words, don't get led astray. You can't start out in the spirit and end up in the flesh now. Many people uh, fall away from the Lord when they get in the flesh. Anxiety and fear and doubt. They lose their faith that they are Christ and that His gift is theirs. They lose their faith. Some of them even blow their brains out. Because the devil just keeps on leading you down that road. Depression, discouragement. What do you got to be discouraged about? You murmur or you? Rejoice. Rejoice. God has given you the kingdom. Rejoice. As for you, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. Okay, we know what we heard. You're justified by faith. You're still justified by faith. And, and, and guess what? You're still justified by faith. <laughs> which you heard from the beginning. If that which you heard from the beginning abide in you, you also shall abide in the Son and in the Father. Oh, glory be to God. And in, in chapter 3 and verse 5, And you know that he was manifested to take away sins, and in him is no sin. Whoso abideth in him sinneth not. How do you abide in him? You abide in him by faith. I am in Christ. By faith. You don't look at the things that are. You look at the things that are not. And you call them so. Right? Whoso abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him. Neither knoweth him. Who, who, who has not seen him? You who are a Christian out there. Who is it that has not seen him and doesn't know him? It's your flesh. Your flesh does not see him and doesn't know him. It's the enemy of God, the Bible says. At enmity with God, the Bible says, right? So just remember that. And uh, let's see. I'm going to go on look at some more stuff. Um, uh, 2 Corinthians 3. We already talked about Galatians 2 and 20. So this is a, a confirmation of that, actually. Well, let's start at verse 12. It says, Having therefore such a hope, we use great boldness of speech. Yes. You know, we believe, therefore we speak. That's what we're told, right? We have great boldness of speech. In other words, you speak in agreement with the gospel. You speak in agreement with God's word. How can two walk together except they be agreed? You want to walk with Jesus through this wilderness? Well, then... You need to agree with him, right? And are not as Moses, who put a veil upon his face, that the children of Israel should not look steadfastly on the end of that which was passing away. What was passing away? 
What did Moses represent? The law. It was passing away. Some people don't know that. But their minds were hardened. For until this very day, at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remaineth, yet not being revealed to them that it is done away in Christ. Now, I could probably throw a dozen verses at you real quick like, but I'd be getting off the track here. I just want you to accept the fact that he's telling you that the law has been done away in Christ. Okay. You say, David, how can it be fulfilled? Because if you walk by faith, God will manifest it through you. He's not putting you under the law. Circumcision, where it's been translated in the New Testament by Paul in Philippians to mean baptism. He tells you what it means. You're not to go back under circumcision. You're not to go back under the letter of the law. The letter kills. It kills you. It will cut you off from Christ. Paul said so in Galatians 5. It will kill you. But the Spirit gives life. If you get the revelation of what was said over there, that's good. If you didn't, that's okay anyway. Start studying the New Testament until you understand it. Okay? Don't go back under the law. I love the law, but I, I like to look at the interpretation of it. I don't want to drag people back under it. You're not under the law. It passed away as a covenant. Now, there's awesome, awesome good um, parables there of the New Testament, if you see them as that. But God never made the law covenant with you. And if you go under it, you go under a covenant that God never made with you and does not exist anymore. And, and of course, you've got to depart from your grace covenant to go under that covenant. And that's what the devil knows. But unto this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lieth upon their heart. But whensoever it shall turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So don't go back under the law, as Galatians warns sternly. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Yeah, if you go back under the law, that's bondage. That's a curse. That's what he said. I don't know why people do not believe the whole Bible. They just pick out little bits and pieces. They want to be justified by something that they can do. Oh, I'm better than you because I keep this feast or I keep this, you know, ceremony or whatever. No, not going to happen because God ain't going to accept it. But we all with an unveiled face. Okay, so he's saying they're veiled because they're going under the law. Let me tell you, if you are into self-flagellation, <laughs> self-effort, condemnation, fear about what you're not, you're putting yourself under the law. That's just the fruit of it right there. I want to tell you the good news. The good news is that you're justified through faith in what Jesus did, not in what you think you can do or your deadlines that you've placed upon yourself, or any other deadline anybody else put upon you. There are deadlines, but there's only one way you can meet those deadlines. There is a time when uh, God is going to choose the bride, 
And you remember Jesus went forth and he said, you, 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 and you, come follow me. And you know what? They just dropped everything and went. <laughs> wow. That, that, that was God working in them, wasn't it? Now, of course, the Pharisees, they argued with him. But these guys, they were prepared by God. They were had uh, innocence about them. You know, they, they followed the Lord. But we all, with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are transformed into that same image from glory to glory, even as from the Lord the Spirit. Oh, that's awesome. This is the gospel in a nutshell right here, verse 18. You know, don't go under the law. You, you have to behold in the mirror the glory of the Lord. You reckon yourself to be dead unto sin, but alive unto God. You're looking in the mirror and you're seeing the free gift that God gave to you, the life of Christ. And you're seeing that you're not you anymore, just as Paul said in Galatians 2.20. You have passed away. You were crucified with Christ. And now it's Christ who lives in you. And that's what you say when you look in the mirror, the spiritual mirror, or the imagination, because it is the image of God that's being manifested here. The mirror, beholding as in the mirror the glory of the Lord, are transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Now, why is it that they can say you can't be perfect when the Bible says over and over and over, be ye perfect? Because they're men, and they don't know God's ways. And they don't know that faith gives you power from God to be what you could never be in any other way. And they like staying there, too, because they want to justify themselves in their sins. And he said, even as from the Lord the Spirit, this comes from God. Not everybody is going to get free of that veil. A lot of them are self-righteous people. They don't want to be free of that veil. They like to justify themselves in their sins. They want to continue on. But there is no sacrifice for willful disobedience. And verse 4 says, Therefore, in other words, since we know this, right? Therefore, seeing we have this ministry... Even as we obtain mercy, we faint not. But we've renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, would that was true for all the church, but by the manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, because you notice He's saying that this good news of Second Corinthians 3 and 18 is veiled. Some people are veiled. They cannot see this gift from God. Some very religious people. As I was pointing out to a guy today, uh, uh, remember the parable of the sower? They all received the word. But only one of them bore fruit because he gave good ground to the seed. And uh, some people don't know the gospel. They're just religious. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled in them that perish. I might tell you right now that there are many of what we call Christians that are just, they're veiled. And they're perishing. And they don't know it. In whom 
The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. Boy, I tell you, religious people will fight against you when you share the gospel with them. They don't want to hear that. And who has blinded their minds? Satan. That the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So what image were we talking about in 3 and 18? We're transformed into that same image from glory to glory. It goes from star glory to moon glory to sun glory, as Paul taught. Okay? It's uh, three stages of manifestation of glory. 30, 60, and 100 fold, right? So, the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should not dawn upon them. He doesn't, the devil does not want the so-called Christians to understand that this is the way to manifest Christ, to bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. He does not want them to understand. He just wants them to get self-righteous and, and, um, and be a bad witness to everybody around them and a bad witness to the world and a total failure as far as walking in the Word of God. That's what he wants. The devil wants that all over the world. And why is God sending tribulation to the people that thought they were going to fly away? Well, hopefully, so some of them will repent and get back in their Bible and quit believing their false prophets. Hopefully. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord. Well, amen. Ourselves cannot be Lord. Christ Jesus is Lord. And how do you make Him Lord? Well, you believe in Him. What must we do to do the works of God? Believe on Him whom He has sent, right? And ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake, seeing that it is God that said, Light shall shine out of darkness. Sounds like Second Peter 1 and 19, right? Absolutely. He's talking about the light shining out of your soul, right? Light shall shine out of darkness, who shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Where? In the face of Jesus Christ. Where are you going to get this light of this knowledge? You have to behold Jesus Christ, the face of Jesus Christ in the mirror. I might say also, it's got to be the real Jesus. The devil has to pervert this face of Jesus Christ so that you come into the image of something else. What is else? Jesus said, you're either for me or you're against me. What is else? Else is Antichrist. There are people in the church, they are Antichrist. They are mean as a snake. There is no fruit in them. They're so self-righteous. They'll judge you quickly. They won't listen to the Word of God. They're totally inoculated against the Word of God by their false preachers. They're angels of light. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. This treasure. What is this treasure? This uh, knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This revelation of the freeness and the gift of God that God has given to you which by the way you have to hold on to because the devil will try to take it from you especially through law 
Self works. He'll try to take it away from you. You have to hold on to this precious gift. It has to be precious to you. Don't let any man take your crown because there are people coming down the road. They're going to take up the crowns that a lot of Christians today are throwing on the ground. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the exceeding greatness of the power may be of God and not of ourselves. The power of God to bring forth Jesus in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the revelation that Paul spoke about. We are pressed on every side, yet not straightened. Listen, this is true if you're walking by faith. You may be pressed on every side, tempted, tested, you know, provoked, everything. Yet not straightened, perplexed, yet not unto despair. What, where does despair come from? Well, you're expecting too much from yourself. <laughs> Give it up. Self has no power. That's why this treasure is coming in earth and vessel, so that the exceeding greatness of the power has to come from God. And we know it. We know we can't do this. Have you ever heard people say, you can't be perfect? We say, well, that's right. We can't be perfect. But Jesus already gave us a free gift of perfection. Are you saying that he can't make us perfect? Oh, well, no, I'm not. Well, well, that's exactly what you're saying. Verse 9, pursued yet not forsaken. Yes, we get pursued by the devil sometime and some of his demons. And they, they knock on our door. And, you know, blessed is the man that suffers temptation, right? Yet not forsaken, smitten down, yet not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of Jesus, that the life also of Jesus may be manifested in our body. Yes, we are dying. We are dying to self. We are dying to our own ability to do anything. Jesus said, I can of myself do nothing. Jesus said that. I can of myself do nothing. Okay, so we know that we have no ability to do this ourselves. So then people have to believe so that God will do it for them. And they won't believe. They choose not to believe quite often. Even so-called Christians choose not to believe the simple gospel that's written there in black and white. God made sure it wasn't really hidden. It's right there in black and white. For we who live are always delivered unto death. For Jesus' sake. What is this death? Well, it's a death to our own self-works and our own ability. You know, Wilderness is a place where you can't do it yourself. It has to be a miracle out of heaven, right? And that's why God's leading his people into the wilderness, because they are so self-willed. And they think that they've attained to something, because they've accepted Jesus. And that's a stench in God's nostrils. He will not cooperate <laughs> with that kind of a salvation. He will not cooperate by giving you grace to be what you need to be. So, repent. Repent. Repent and obey the Lord. We're always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Oh, my goodness. Oh, this just blows their theory all to pieces, doesn't it? The life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. That is your living body. 
See, we, the people that teach you that you have no hope except to die and go to heaven, and there God gives you his righteousness. Oh, what a trick. What a deception. It's here that we manifest what we're going to have forever. So then, death worketh in us, but life in you. But having the same spirit of faith, according to that which is written, I believed, and therefore did I speak. Do you reckon yourself to be dead unto sin, but alive unto God? Or do you keep professing yourself to be a sinner? Are you delivered from sin? Or are you dead set on being a sinner? Where is your faith? Is your faith to be a sinner? Well, okay, you can be a sinner. Be it unto you according to your faith. As you have believed, so shall it be unto you. But if you don't believe the gospel, you will not get delivered to sin. And if you don't want to be delivered from sin, you will not get delivered from sin. I believe, and therefore did I speak. When you believe something, you confess it. If you don't confess him before men, he won't confess you before the Father. He is the high priest of your confession, which means, the word there means, to speak the same as. If you agree with him, he offers this as an offering of your lips unto the Father. And if you disagree with this and you keep speaking yourself into the grave, <laughs> that's where you'll go. If you keep confessing yourself as a, a sinner, that's where you'll go. Start confessing that he saved you from sin. You say you believe he saved you from sin. You say you believe he took away your sins. If he took them away, where are they? Stop believing and confessing and accepting that you still have these sins. You do not believe in the gospel. You have not believed on Jesus Christ yet. Repent. Repent. You will fail. You will continue to fail if you do that. Thank God through Jesus Christ. Paul talked about a, a wretched man that he was in Romans 7. He said, The good that I would do, I do not. And the evil which I would not, that I do. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And then he got the revelation. I thank God through Jesus Christ. He will deliver me. Right? And he said, If if you would do good, it's no longer you that do the sin, but the sin that dwelleth in you. If you want to do good, if you want to do good, and you believe the good news of the gospel, the Lord is going to see to it that you have this gift. It is that power that comes to those who have this treasure in earthen vessels. It's in an earthen vessel, so you cannot save yourself. That's why God did that. You cannot save it. You do not have the power. Flesh is flesh. Flesh can't save flesh. Right? So, you have to speak it. If you believe, you have to speak it. Confess the good confession in the sight of many witnesses. It is no longer I that live. It's Christ that lives in me. Stop murmuring. Stop looking in the mirror. And seeing your old flesh what did James say I'll read it to you James chapter 1 verse 21 wherefore 
putting away all filthiness and overflowing of wickedness, receive with meekness the implanted or engrafted or inborn, inborn word, which is able to save your souls. Now, we know that James was not talking to lost people here. (laughs) He was talking to the saved, but they were saved in spirit. And now they must be saved in soul, because that's where you bear fruit, is in your soul. You had nothing to do with receiving the new spirit, believe it or not. God gave that to you. He put a gift of faith in you, then he gave you that new spirit, the spirit of Christ. Now you must be saved in your mind, your will, and your emotions, which is your soul. Okay, if you don't bear fruit there, 36 to 100 fold, you're just not going to make it. I'm sorry which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deluding your own selves. Some people complain that they know what they're supposed to do, but they're failing, and they're crying, and murmuring, and complaining, but they forgot you're justified by faith. By faith God works in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. By faith, by faith. And they won't speak faith. They won't believe faith. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deluding your own selves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in the mirror. So if you see your natural face in the mirror, you're complaining about that old man, you're complaining and you're moaning and groaning because the old man is still there, And you thought you'd overcome this, but he's still there. No, he's not. He's dead. He's dead and gone. So, if a person beholds their natural face in the mirror, and they're complaining about that, and that's all they see is their natural face, they're going to be a hearer of the word, but not a doer of the word. There's no power, no power in doing that. You get no cooperation from God. You get no grace. Remember, grace comes through faith. And faith calls the things that be not as though they were. For he beholdeth himself, himself, not Jesus, himself, and goeth away, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. They just totally give up. Get discouraged. They might even sit on a pew the rest of their life and get moralized. But uh, it doesn't mean that they're going to get saved. This is why God is interrupting a headlong march of so many so-called Christians right off the lip and into hell. He's interrupting it right now. Many people are about to be saved. But he's going to have to bring them through hell. I'm talking about hell on earth in some cases. But if you uh, will hearken unto his word, he will soon subdue your enemies. If you won't listen to his word, you're going to take a lot more beatings. But if you will hearken, that means hear and obey, right? If you'll hearken unto his word, he will soon subdue your enemies. That's what he said. Knowing that he that raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up also with Jesus and shall present us with you. Yep, with all the saints of of the past, right? Glory be to God.
For all things are yours, and for your sakes, that the grace, being multiplied through the many, may cause the thanksgiving to abound unto the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Glory be to God. You know, I'll just read something else while I'm here. Uh, chapter 5, verse 14. It says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge, that one died for all, therefore all died. What is he talking about? Well, if Jesus died for all, you better remember that, because if you judge one of his children and cause them to lose faith, to cause them to look at themselves, if you judge them, I'm not talking about willful disobedience, I'm talking about if you drag one of their hearts down by your criticism and your judgment and your condemnation, guess what? Guess what's going to happen to you? You're going to reap what you sow. You're going to get totally corrupt. You need to speak faith to God's people. You need to believe for them. People self-righteously judge. They want to be better than somebody. They feel better if they put somebody down instead of picking them up. God hates that. There is no love of the brethren. There is no born against situation there. You know? Because we thus judge that one died for all, therefore all died. In other words, we're having faith for them just like we're having faith for us. That's, that's honest, right? Have faith for them. Don't always see their natural face in the mirror either. Have faith for them. And he died for all, therefore they that live should no longer live unto themselves but unto him who for their sakes died and rose again. Wherefore we henceforth know no man after the flesh. What does it mean to know someone after the flesh? Well, to see their natural face in the mirror and to keep pointing it out to them. Hey, you scum, you. Look here in this mirror. Look at you. Look how dirty you are. Get up out of that mud puddle, you know. You know kids love mud puddles. Get up out of that mud puddle. Look how dirty you are. <laughs> you ever hear parents that really downgrade their kids? And then they have a spirit of rejection the rest of their life, and their life is ruined. Instead of building them up by faith, they tear them down, tear them down, tear them down. Henceforth we know no man after the flesh, even though we have known Christ after the flesh, Yet now we know him so no more. No, we see him as the Lord of heaven. And if he died for all, therefore all died. Tell them the good news. You can be happy to tell them the good news. It's not the bad news that saves people. It's the good news. The good news is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes it. Tell them the good news. If you have to tell them that they're a sinner, they already know that. Don't, don't waste a lot of time telling them that. They already know that. Tell them the good news that Jesus died to take away their sins. 
They, take, they can see Christ in the mirror. One died, therefore all died. Wherefore, if any man is in Christ, now listen now, if any man is in Christ, and what put you in Christ the first, you know, in the beginning? It's just your faith in Him. It's not your abiding ability to stay in Him. It's just your faith in Him. If any man is in Christ, because we, 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 we walk by faith in the Lord to finish the good work He started in us, and we continue to see the end from the beginning. Remember what Jesus said. All things, all things. What does that leave out? Nothing. All things whatsoever you pray and ask for, believe you received them, in the, in the original, and you shall have them. Believe you received them. Now, we need to help people to believe that they have received it's all right to gently point out things that are not right and what the Bible has to say about it. Self-righteous people usually just walk away from you right there. And they don't want to hear it. Because <laughs> they don't want to grow in, in God, you know. But when you do that, you can point them to the gospel. Let your uh, speech always be seasoned with grace, Paul said. You know, In other words... Don't just show people what's wrong. Show them how to get to Christ. Show them how to have His life. And you have to preach these things to them because it doesn't come natural. Wherefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. They, they look down on themselves. They are a failure. Sometimes they don't even want to call themselves Christian, even by faith, because they walk by sight and not by faith. But you have to lift their, their eyes up to God in heaven. You know, He is your Savior. He will finish the good work He started in you. He did take away your sins. It's no longer you that live. It's Christ that lives in you. Uh, you have to preach this good news to them. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things are passed away. Behold, they are become new. But all things are of God, who reconciled us unto himself. Reconciled, catalasso, means exchanged. He exchanged you. You are not you. You are Christ. The body of Christ. And who lives in the body of Christ? He does. Okay, we got that straight. Are you the body of Christ? Well, yes, by faith. That's good. That's good. Receive it by faith. But all things are of God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. It's already done. And he gave unto us the ministry of reconciliation, which means your words should be able to exchange a person's sinful life for the righteous life of Christ, which was given to them. Your words should put that faith in them so that they too can have the manifestation of this exchange. You see, that's your your job. Your job is not to run around condemning everybody. Your job is to be a minister of reconciliation. That is, if you don't put faith in someone's heart, just like in your own heart, you cannot be reconciled to God. Because this reconciliation, this exchange of His life for your life, is manifest through your faith. It is not manifest through your self-effort. To wit, 
that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not reckoning unto them their trespasses. Notice that. Not reckoning. We, we, we sometimes think, well, we certainly have to straighten this guy out, you know. Well, no, you, you really have to make sure that he keeps his faith even while, I mean, you, you know, you, you're weak to the weak. But there is a way to get around a person's flesh, uh, which uh, Solomon called uh, charming the serpent. You get around that flesh. You try to put forth this good news of this good gift that God has to give them. Even as a Christian, they need to know this, that God has to give them. And through this, uh, that this person will be delivered from all of their sinfulness. Yeah. Presented as a good gift. We know <clears throat> people that stand out on the street corners and scream at people the bad news all the time. And usually people roll up their windows or they walk away or whatever. You know, they don't want to hear it because there's no good news there. And they're not telling a person how to be it anything but a, a Pharisee like they are. And if you're out there condemning people, guess what? You're condemned. One died for all, therefore all died. Tell them the good news. Tell them what Jesus did for them. He made reconciliation for them. This is awesome. This they don't know. They've heard a lot of religious people condemn them, and they really don't have a stomach for religious people. Because they can see through their self-righteousness. They can see that they're no better than them. You know why? Because these people don't understand grace. They don't understand how to receive it, and they don't have an understanding of how to give it. Tell them the good news. Not reckoning unto them their trespasses. Oh, why is that? Well, because one died for all, therefore all died. Not reckoning unto them their trespasses. Having committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Yes, we have this word that is able to reconcile people unto God, which means bringing God in their life, which means taking their sins away and nailing them on that cross, all by their faith. Oh, thank you, Father. This is the good news. So many self-righteous Christians out there that are doing the work of the devil. So we are ambassadors, therefore, on behalf of Christ. As though God were entreating by us, we beseech you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. See, it's not a railing accusation, <laughs> which we're not even supposed to bring against the devil. For goodness sake, what about the people on the street, you know? We beseech you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. There's a humility there. People are much able to receive a humble person than an arrogant, self-righteous person. Him who knew no sin, he made to be sin on our behalf. That's why it was the serpent on the pole 
which was a type of Christ. You say, how could that be a type of Christ? Because he became sin for us. Our sins were put upon him. When they looked on that serpent on the pole, they were healed. Whether you consider it physical or spiritual healing, both are true. When you look and you see that your sin was put upon that cross, and you accept that and you believe that, that's when you're going to start losing the sin. Because God Almighty is Almighty. <laughs> and He will give you grace for that faith. Right? Him who knew no sin, He made to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. That we might become the righteousness of God in Him. So, we're ministers of this reconciliation. We want to tell people the good news. You know, people, uh, they might stand there and let you tell them the good news, but if you're screaming at them what a bad, bad person they are, an evil sinner, and, and, and so on and so forth, well, they're just a lot less likely to be able to stand that, you know. We are to be weak to the weak, not strong to the weak. We are to reach down and lift them up. You know, reach down and give grace. We are we are ministers of reconciliation. It's our job to reconcile them. And there, are, God has some really bad workers out there. They actually are working for the devil and they don't know it. And they've put a disgust in the people of the world for Christianity. I remember. I'm not that old. I'm just... 67 years old, <laughs> 66 years old, going on 67. I'm not that old. But I remember when people used to respect Christians. And I'm going to tell you why. They saw a lot less hypocrisy in them. I mean, we've come to the bad end of the gene pool here, folks. And... Uh, Sin has become exceedingly sinful. And working together with Him, we entreat also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. You mean you can receive the grace of God in vain for nothing? That's right. A lot of people have. For He saith, at an acceptable time, I hearkened unto thee. And in a day of salvation did I succor thee. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Give no occasion of stumbling in anything. I'm going to tell you, Christians cause a lot of people to stumble. And Jesus said it would be better to have a millstone tied around your neck and thrown in the depths of the ocean than to cause one of his little ones to stumble. Boy, we need to tread lightly and we need to be careful. We need to be quick to hear and slow to speak. Slow to say things out of a self-righteous spirit that will cause damage to people. Some people have walked away from Christianity and never come back because of the wickedness of the people around them who claim to be Christians. And that sin is put to their charge giving no occasion of stumbling in anything. 
that our ministration be not blamed, but in everything commending ourselves as ministers of God in much patience, in afflictions, and in necessities, and in distresses, and in stripes, and in imprisonments. We do all this for the gospel's sake, you see. We are, we're patient with people. We uh, don't judge those that are without. We like to share with them the good news, but we don't judge them. Those that are without, God judges, the Bible says. In stripes and in imprisonments and tumults and labors and watchings and fastings in pureness in knowledge in long suffering in kindness in the Holy Spirit in love unfeigned in the word of truth in the power of God uh, Paul was the king of run on sentences <laughs> In the word of truth, in the power of God, by the armor of righteousness, on the right hand and on the left. And he didn't stop there. There's no period there either. So, (laughs) you know what I mean? Oh, thank you, Father. Well, we need grace, don't we? Let me go one more place. Um, Well, maybe more than one place. I don't know. Colossians chapter 1, and I want to read uh, 13. Who delivered us out of the power of darkness. So don't say the devil, and don't believe that the devil has any authority over you. He has to convince you that he has authority over you so that you give it to him. But he has no authority over you. And you have to stand your ground and tell him no. Who delivered us out of the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Oh, glory be to God. In whom we have our redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in Him were all things created. In other words, the new creation man, where did he come from? Out of Christ, the last Adam. Well, what about the old creation man? Came out of Adam, the first Adam. Oh, the Bible says, as in Adam all died, that's the first Adam, all died, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. That's the second Adam. That person that's in the second Adam is your born-again man, your spiritual man that's born from above, Jesus said. Born from above. It's not your flesh. Your flesh is not a son of God. It's a son of man. But that one that's being birthed out of Christ to you is coming out of the Word of God. Remember how Jesus came in Revelation 19 and, and the... The sign on him was the Word of God. You know, Jesus is the Word of God. Your life comes out of the Word of God. You have faith in the Word of God so that it comes to pass. For in him were all things or all created. 
in the heavens. He's talking about people. He's not talking about things, but in the heavens and upon the earth, things visible and things invisible, or visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all have been created through him and unto him or for him, right? And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Jesus is the beginning, right? The firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it was the good pleasure of the Father that in him should all the fullness dwell. And what fullness is that? Well, he's talking about the body, the church. Some people say, oh, he's talking about the Godhead. No, he's not. He's talking about the body, the church. It's supposed to be in him. He in us and we in him. <clears throat> and through him to reconcile all, things wasn't in there, Reconcile all unto himself. Reconcile. That's our ministry. Reconciling people to Christ. The most important ministry. When a teacher teaches the word, it is to bring that person into reconciliation. When an evangelist preaches Jesus, it is to bring that person into reconciliation. We don't teach people to be proud and arrogant, puffed up, because we have nothing to claim. It's all a gift of God. And He gives grace to the humble, but He resists the proud. If you put an arrogant spirit in people, you're killing them, you're murdering them. Self-justified, well, I chose Jesus. You know, well, I do this. Well, I got baptized. Well, I did that. You know, it's, it's self-righteousness. You know? Through him to reconcile all unto himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him I say, whether upon the earth or in the heavens. And you being in time past alienated and enemies in your mind and in your evil works, yet now, that's what faith does, you see. Now, now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh. So are you reconciled right now? Are you justified, accounted righteous? Because you are confident that the gift of Jesus Christ is yours? Or are you looking in the mirror, seeing yourself, and just pulling your hair out, wondering, what am I going to do? I'm not ready to meet the Lord. <laughs> Well, there's only one way to get ready, and that is, of course, now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and without blemish and unreprovable before him. How can that happen? Well, um, he says, if so be that you continue in the faith. There is nothing you can make this any faster then repenting of unbelief, double-mindedness, fear, doubt, discouragement, and have faith. 
right? You want to lose your soul, just stay there. You will do it. If so be, there's a condition there. You can circle that if right there. If so be that you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast and not moved away from the hope or the firm expectation of the gospel. You cannot be moved away from the good news. If you're moved away from the good news because of all these other spirits that make war against you, then you must not have valued this gift from God in the first place. We have to walk by faith. We have to be justified by faith through this whole thing. We stop growing the moment we turn away from faith and we turn to self-condemnation, so on and so forth. Condemnation has its place, as I've said so many times. It has its place. For a person that's walking in willful disobedience, it has its place. For Paul, who wanted to do good but was failing, it has no place. He said there's no condemnation. He was speaking specifically of what I'm talking about. In the beginning of Romans 8, Romans 7, he said, The good that I would do, I do not, and the evil which I would not, that I do. Ooh, who's going to deliver me from this? Well, he said, I thank God through Jesus. He delivered us. And then he says, There's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation is for willful disobedience. It's not for people who would do good who want to do good, who are against their sin, right? Oh, God, you're so good, so merciful. Look at uh, chapter 3 of Colossians uh, 1. Put to death, therefore, no, excuse me, I'm talking I'm going to go to 1. If then you were raised together with Christ, now when did that happen? Well, 2,000 years ago. Uh, before the foundation of the world? <laughs> well, both would be true in their own category, you know. Uh, if then you were raised, because it's past tense. You were raised together with Christ. Seek the things that are above where Christ is. In other words, run after God. Don't get distracted by the world. Run after God. Where Christ is seated on the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above. The Bible says in 1 John, As He is, even so are we in this world. As He is. Wow. Set your mind on the things that are above and not on the things that are upon the earth. For you died and your life is hid with Christ. Did you die? Did you get baptized? If you didn't get baptized, why not? He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Baptism is a death to the old man, resurrection life to the new man. If you didn't get baptized, get baptized. Why tearest thou? Arise, wash away thy sins, calling upon the name of the Lord. Right? For you died. So you can say that when you got baptized because if, you, if you're not united with him in the likeness of his death, which is burial in the water, right? You shall also be of the resurrection, which is coming up out of the water, right? It's an act of faith. It's, again, faith. It's not the water. It's not a wash job, you know. For you died, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, 
shall be manifested. That, that means to shine forth, right? Faniru. Then shall ye also with him be manifested in glory. There's a glory. The glory of God. But there's a time of manifestation and there's a time of faith. Faith is accounted as righteousness, the Bible says. What do you need to be righteous right now where you are? Faith. What do you need to lose that? Unbelief. So don't dare go there. Don't let the devil drag you there. Kicking and screaming. Don't let him take you there. He knows he's got you if you do that. So put to death, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Fornication. By what right do you put these to death? By the faith of the fact that you don't have these anymore. They were nailed to the cross. You can say no to these. You have the authority to say no to these because of your faith. If you don't have any faith, you don't have any authority over these. Right? It's the fact that Jesus bore these on the cross that gives you the right to say no to fornication, uncleanness, even the demons that are behind them. He delivered you out of the power of darkness, right? Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake cometh the wrath of God upon the sons of disobedience, wherein you also once walked. Well, the sons of disobedience, that's his sons that are disobedient. The wrath of God will come upon them. Wherein ye also once walked when you lived in these things. But now do you also put them all away? Anger, wrath, malice, railing. Notice how much unforgiveness is involved in these things. If you've got unforgiveness, you're in trouble. The Lord may have forgiven you, but He won't forgive you if you don't forgive someone else. Railing, shameful speaking out of your mouth, all that unforgiveness, all that bitterness. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man and his doings. You have put off the old man and his doings. You have. It is past tense. Again. Okay. That's what faith does. And they have put on the old man that is being renewed, put on the new man that is being renewed, unto knowledge, after the image of him that created him. There it is again. It's been done. Notice, he speaks of it as a past tense thing, because it happened at the cross. That's the reconciliation. You can believe it's done. Jesus said, remember what he said, all things, whatsoever you pray and ask for, believe you received them, and you shall have them. Because they were all done at the cross. It's all been done. Where there cannot be Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bondman, freeman, but Christ is all and in all. Oh, it makes us all one. You get along with people. You don't recognize anybody after the flesh. You're not a racist. You're not many things (laughs) that divide people in the world, right? You're not competitive. You're not nationalistic. You're not 
any of these things. We just have one nation, by the way. It covers the whole earth. One holy nation is what Peter said we were. And it, and it crosses every uh, national boundary and every uh, religious boundary and every, um, every, every boundary. Every racial boundary. So... Put on, therefore, as God's elect, holy and beloved, a heart of compassion, kindness, lowliness, meekness. Yeah, if you get proud and lifted up, boy, I tell you, you just won't get any grace from God, right? Lowliness, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another. Why? Because God forgave you and He wants you to forgive them, right? Forbearing one another. And forgiving each other, if any man hath a complaint against any. Forgive. Don't dwell on it. Don't stick with it, because you're going to lose your forgiveness from God. Even as the Lord forgave you, so also do ye. And above all things, put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. It joins people together, doesn't it? Oh, glory be to God. Okay, so I want to point out something to you. Matthew 6 and 9, Jesus taught his disciples to pray. He said, <clears throat> After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so on earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, notice the way Jesus puts this, as a debt and a debtor. You know what the Shemitah is all about? It's all about a time of judgment on those who do not forgive debts. Very interesting. The Lord knows exactly all about the... He's a Jew, you know. <laughs> he knows all about the Shemitah, you know. And so why does he pose this as a debt or a debtor? Because... The most important thing is if you want to be forgiven and you don't want to be under the judgment of God, you have to forgive debts. And this is what he's talking about. He's trying to point this out to you. Forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Jesus knows all about the Shemitah and that's what he's talking about here. And they haven't connected that yet. The only thing they can think about is physical debts of money and, thing, and so on. And those things, too, have to be forgiven. But here's the biggest problem that causes judgment to come upon people. All of those things, attributes of evil that we've talked about, are all based in unforgiveness. So, he says, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Bring us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. For if we forgive men their trespasses, now he's trying to tell you what the debt is here. If we forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, 
neither will your father forgive your trespasses. So what's going to happen? We know that the Shemitah is a sign of judgment upon those who do not forgive debts that hold people in bondage through debts. If you don't forgive people their trespasses, judgment will fall upon you. Is it happening? Maybe it is. For some people it is happening right now. Some people will go straight to hell. They knew Jesus, but they wouldn't forgive their brother. And they'll go straight to hell. And, and, and they'll have hell on earth too. Because if you're not forgiven by God, you don't have the benefits of the kingdom. In Matthew 18 is the same thing. The master who forgave the servant of a debt. He's calling it a debt. Verse 27. The Lord of that servant being moved with compassion released him and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred shillings and laid hold of him and took him by the throat saying, Pay what thou owest. So his fellow servant fell down and besought him saying, Have patience with me and I will pay thee. And he would not. He wouldn't forgive the debt. And they know what the Shemitah is all about. Of course, these people were raised as Jews and they understood that. So they just knew they were just throwing their own salvation away. But went and cast him into prison until he should pay that which was due. So, when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were exceeding sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord called him unto him, and saith unto him, Thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou besoughtest me. And shouldest not thou have had mercy on thy fellow servant, even as I had mercy upon thee? And his Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors. And there's a lot of people out there being tormented by demons today because they won't forgive. And they wonder, why is God doing this to me? Why, why, why? Well, it's, this is the reason right here. In, in, in most, almost all cases, I think. And delivered him to the tormentors until he should pay that which was due. Can you pay for your sin? Well, you will pay for it. Will it count towards going to heaven? No. Not if you don't forgive. It won't. But you're going to pay for it. So shall also my heavenly Father do unto you, if you forgive not everyone his brother from your hearts. I'm telling you, there are people that die before their time because of unforgiveness. And they live a miserable life. And nobody wants to get around them because they just are so tormented by demons. And all they got to do, all they got to do is forgive from the heart. And the tormentors will leave. It's a sad thing. I see so much of it. Self-righteous people think they have a right to go around judging everybody and coming up with goofy stuff too that's not even a sin. But And they live under the judgment of God.
but they consider themselves to be the judges. Self-righteous, egotistical people. You cannot, you have to preach reconciliation to people. You cannot be unforgiving towards them because you're puffing yourself up, right? Now, we have to teach what is wrong, but when you're individually dealing with an individual, you need to put faith in them. Yes, conviction is great. They need to have faith. They need to have the good news in order to partake of the benefits of Jesus Christ. They need to see Jesus in the mirror. You need to preach the gospel. It is the power of God to save the one that believes. You need to preach the gospel to them. Don't do the accept Jesus thing. You know, um, repent and believe. You don't, you know, when people come and listen to you teach, you don't have to do the things that the worldly church does. You'll find out pretty quick whether they have a desire to hearken unto the Lord or not. Just teach the truth. And you'll find out. Some will turn and walk away. And they will not see it as valuable. And some will see it as a wonderful gift from God. And they'll be saved. But the church is so mechanical about this thing. And uh, it really just should be a natural thing. You know, Jesus um, taught his disciples and they got wonderful revelation straight from God. Like Peter's revelation. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Oh, well... Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, Peter. It was my Father that revealed this to you. And no one comes into the Son except the Father draws, right? So, he just taught them. He just taught them. And they received life because they saw the value in his words and it entered into them and it gave them his life, right? His words were life. Well, Father, thank you so much, Lord, for encouraging us, Lord, uh, helping us to lift up our head to you, O God, and receiving your blessings. Lord, keep us away from any kind of pride, any kind of arrogance or self-righteousness that would cause us to lose out on your benefits, Lord. And legalism that we sometimes put ourselves under and sometimes men try to put us under. Um, Help us to stay away from these things, Lord. And above all things, Lord, let us forgive one another from the heart fervently so that the judgment of the Smita doesn't fall on us. And, uh, Father, we just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for putting your grace in us for others. Uh, Thank you for teaching us not to judge others, but to bring to them the good news, which is the power of God to save them. Lord, uh, let us not be against any man. This is a a high stakes, high stakes, eternal life or eternal damnation. It's high stakes, Lord. We ask you to help us to recognize that when we are tempted to be against any man. Uh, but to be humble so that we may bring to them the good news of the gospel, a good minister of reconciliation. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Amen.
my thirsting soul. Purest water made me whole. Let your streams of mercy flow, oh Jesus. I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For、oh, your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus. Your mercy stands and your word is. 